everyone! Hi! Welcome Hi. back to Safe Space! <laughs> Woo! <Yeah. laughs> Just trying absolute shit. So today we are joined by our first guest. Alex, would you like to introduce who you are? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, my name is Alex and I'm 18 and I live in West Sussex. And um, yeah, that's that's all about We've me. kind of dragged Alex on here at a bit of short notice. So this is a bit like all over the place. I do apologise. It was a bit of a whim. And um, but we, whim. <laughs> we love Alex, and we, we wanted to chat to Alex because Alex has done a lot of very good work in her time as as an adult. Not even as an adult. Yeah, yeah teenager yeah how old were you what 16 17 yeah i think it was summer of last year so i would have been 16 turning 17 that's crazy yeah that's so young <laughs> like when i was 16 17 i definitely wasn't thinking about doing any good for the community at all so like we're well done for that i guess and um, so yeah we kind of wanted to have a bit of a chat about kind of what you were doing alex had a campaign which ran it's still actually running yeah it's still up it's still going. Yeah. I checked it earlier. There's like 8,000 and something signatures on there, yeah. which is insane. I have a copy of the campaign here, which I will kind of try and summarise as best as I can. But basically, a group of teenagers who are asking our local council to provide better mental health support in crisis. Since the start of the year, at least three teenagers in the small town we live have taken their own lives and another passed away in a car accident. These four young people were our friends. Their deaths are shattering our community and we need support. We know that teachers don't receive adequate training to deal with these sorts of events or, or spot and act upon any signs of mental ill health. Mental health services are not able to cope with the situation. Our goal is to use this campaign as a voice for young people suffering from their mental health. One of us has personal experience with dealing with mental illness. Last year she was referred to an emotional support service and waited up to six months for an appointment. Once under the service she felt like they couldn't wait to sign her off because of the pressure. She got no benefit from the treatment and it lasted a few weeks only. We all have personally dealt with friends who have very serious depression and more on one occasion we have had to talk our friends out of suicide. In most of these cases, schools simply have no idea what was going on. These events predate the coronavirus. These problems in our community are nothing new. Since lockdown, one of our families had to accommodate teenage friends who have not been able to get support for mental health issues. These children ran away from home and our families took them in to give them some space to recover. One of our parents spoke to a social worker regarding the case who said that the service simply can't cope. Often we feel like we are having to act as therapists for our friends because they don't know who to turn to. It chips away at our own mental state. We are not qualified, we are children. People of all ages have been hit by the coronavirus pandemic, but we have been impacted at a crucial point. The institutions that are supposed to look after us are failing. We have so many ways of communicating with each other, but we feel powerless. We cannot express our opinions at elections and our voices simply aren't being heard. That's why we have signed this petition asking our council to support our community with greater access to mental health services and a focus on working with schools to create safety nets for children in crisis. Yeah, so um, it kind of all stemmed from hearing about a, a young person in our community who'd sadly taken their life and I was talking to my parents about it and I was just thinking, this shouldn't be happening, like we are actual children, um, it's real world, world stuff and I just thought enough is enough, like something's got to change and we can't keep having more deaths like this. And like, it's not just the death itself, everything that stems from around mm. it as well. So how their friends and family will deal with it as yeah. well. Um, and there was just no support for any of them. And 
yeah, I just decided why not try something, Do something. new. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. That's like insane. So, obviously, you launched this campaign, it went a bit crazy. <laughs> I think it went a bit crazier than maybe you thought. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It kind of went overnight and it was about 100,000 shares or something. And I was like, oh, what the hell? I need to start <laughs> doing it. Yeah. yeah, no, I get that. I think when you kind of launch a campaign like this, I think because it affects so many people, like it's not just the kids, it's mm. the parents, it's the teachers, it's like everyone. Mm. I think obviously it goes a bit like mental. And I think especially like where we are, there's not a lot of people doing anything so i think for like someone especially like 16 17 to come out and be like something needs to change that's like for the community like unheard of really um so i mean you've spoken a little bit about what kind of influenced you to do this and stuff um what kind of outcome did you get because i know you were trying to reach out to councils and stuff so where did you kind of get with that yeah, so um, our local MP actually sent me a letter through the post a few days afterwards and we arranged a meeting with him um, and me and a few of my friends, were you there? Yeah, yeah Alicia was there. And we sat down in our college and we kind of expressed our concerns and what we would like to change and what we'd expect from him as our MP. And it was a very interesting meeting. He kind of definitely took on board everything we were trying to get out of it um, and said that he'd arranged some other meetings with the schools in the area as well as the council. Um, So because of that, he created a hub in our area for teenagers to go if they're feeling um, alone or if they need extra help. I'm not actually sure how far he's gone with that because it would take quite a lot of time, but... I know something along those lines is currently in the works. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I feel like in like the day and age we're in at the moment, and I think with the government we have, it's very difficult to kind of get what you're trying to say to actually get actioned. And I think part of that is down to the fact that we're in such a small area. This is quite a big country. Like, obviously, for someone from a small area to go to them and be like, look, like this is like what needs to happen. Like, it, it does get a lot harder, I think, for them to kind of not even just action it but I think a lot of them don't know what to do because I think especially during the pandemic it was such an unprecedented time I don't think anyone realized the kind of effect I mean we touched on it briefly last time didn't we about how you were at school and you would have been as well like during and how that kind of like because obviously I was I don't know where I was I was working (laughs) I think and like so like for me obviously like for everyone it was a difficult time but I think as you said like it was such a pivotal point in your development as a person like both of you I feel like it kind of it would have had some form of effect on that and like I know you spoke didn't you about how like you were at school and then like you like didn't go to your last day and it was all like really sad like I like what was your experience with that yeah I actually got covid the week before we um broke up and I was in quarantine and I was seeing all of my friends in their last day and I felt really yeah I I watched it on the Instagram with my (laughs) mum yeah but I think it was kind of I know with you it was definitely waves of yay no school oh no no school we were actually talking about this the other night weren't we and it's just it was a very very big and very drastic change and I think it definitely affected everyone whether it, that was positive or negative mm-hmm. as well but yeah, yeah I think it just had such a knock on effect on like 
so many groups of people and it was that thing of like no one knew what to do because no one had ever thought this was going to happen but then they started to kind of figure out I mean I don't know to what extent but I think there was kind of a lot of okay yeah no kids are like suffering but then it was a lot of oh kids are suffering (laughs) well we've already got the service in place what else can we do I don't think there was a lot of kind of hang on this is like big and I think like I know that obviously you spoke about in your campaign about how the services were so like over like overcrowded like I mean I like I guess I was in the adult service at the time I wasn't in camp so I don't know the kind of dynamic that it was there but I can imagine it was probably like pretty horrific and I mean you said about like a six month waiting time as well yeah that was awful I remember I um sort of tried to apply for therapy through cams just before lockdown and it was what February of 2021 when they finally got back to me and they said oh yeah we can arrange um, a once a week phone call for four weeks and then but that's all we can do otherwise you'd have to pay loads of money for private therapy and I said that's that's nothing no literally four weeks I mean you can't even do anything and it was on the phone like it wasn't even a live stream you have no chance to like even get to know like a face i mean i struggled with that to be fair like because my nurse got changed just before covid and then during lockdown i didn't meet him until like a year and a bit later like this person was like controlling my every move and i didn't even know what he looked like like and then the first time i met him was when i went inpatient and I was like, this is, like, not an experience I wanted to have with you. Like, hi, nice to meet you. Like, I'm off. See you later. Like, it just wasn't It wasn't what anyone wanted. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I know there was a lot of kind of, okay, the NHS is struggling. We all get that. But then there's also that frustration that comes a bit of, like, okay, they're struggling, but that's not mm. anyone's fault. No. Like, that's not our fault. I mean, yeah, you could argue that they're not funded enough because they're not, and then there's someone to blame for that. But you you know it's not the service's fault and i feel like it's so hard not to take out on them yeah. like i i know i found it really difficult to not get like super angry at them of like why yeah. are you doing anything and they're trying just as hard to keep everything going yeah but my um one of our close friends actually passed away in a car crash during mm. the time i was receiving these four weeks of oh, therapy God. and i cried to her down the phone and she didn't really know what to say Mm. that's your job (laughs) your job is to kind of i feel like grief is something that they really need a bit more Mm. help on the other side because i mean yeah they'll they'll often try and like refer you elsewhere or they'll be like oh go and do this go and do that i mean i know like i don't know kind of what support you got and we can touch on that in a minute but i know when i went through bereavement i was told that I couldn't access support for s- until it had been six months because that was like how long it took the brain to like do its normal grieving process and I was like that doesn't mean that it makes it any easier like that just means it's the hardest six months yeah, you're then you're not getting anything well. yeah so like do you feel like obviously you spoke about like the loss of your friends and stuff and obviously that at any age is difficult mm. but especially like as a teenager it's awful yeah. did you feel like there was any support um there was a little bit of support through my college. Um, we had a meeting with the head teacher and he was very nice about it. Um, and he just said there's support groups at lunchtime if you want to go. But apart from that, there wasn't really mm. anything. I mean, 
For her close, close friends, there was a lot more, but for the people who knew her or have known her for a while but aren't like mm. really good friends, they were kind of just left to your own devices, really, and that was quite hard. Yeah. Because it's like you weren't appreciated as Yeah, I think it's hard, isn't it? Like, I think grief is like, it's a whole process, mm. and I think, obviously, it is hard for the families and the close friends and everything, but it's hard for, like, everyone. I think even, like, especially I remember, like, when the young girls that passed away did, I remember, like, it shook everyone. Yeah. Like, there was a massive shake-up in the community as a whole, like, even people that didn't know them. Like, I remember, like, literally people, like, lining the streets to, like, pay their respects and stuff, and, like, yeah. I think that, for me, was, like, a very big moment of being, like, hang on a minute, like, this isn't... Because, I mean, I know when I was, obviously I'm, what, three years older than you guys, which doesn't sound like a lot, but so much can change in three years. And I think I know what it was like when I was that age of like, there wasn't much support. And I think like, you always kind of hope things are gonna change. And then when things like that happen, you're kind of like, nothing's changed. I mean, I think we we spoke briefly about involvement with like mental health services and stuff, didn't we? And about how, you know, we've all, kind of shared that experience of the whole like it's a bit of a waiting game and then like you don't know how long you're gonna have to wait for and you don't know like it it's a, it's just so like you get left in limbo mm. Honestly. And i know like you feel that a lot don't you okay. i first got put on the cameras waiting list when i was 12 because i got i went to the gp like several times from when i was like 11 because my parents found out i was self-harming they didn't really know what was going on they didn't know how to help they took me to my gp i then got referred to cams and that was when i was 12 I'm now 18 and I've been on and off the waiting list for the entire six years and all I've ever actually gotten from CAMS was last year in about, it was May, so I was 17, I got a phone call and the lady spoke to me for like half an hour and then she was like, I'm going to have to call your mum and let her know the stuff you've told me after I asked them not to. Mm. I didn't tell them anything that would like suggest I was in danger to myself. Yeah or to others, I had just told them about previous things that have happened. Mm. Um, she then called my mum and told her everything, which then caused problems with me and my parents because they didn't know, they don't understand that sort of mm. stuff. Um, and then didn't hear from her, nothing at all. They like to just put a spanner in the works, don't they? And then this year? Yeah, it was just before your 18th birthday. I went in, had my assessment done, and which you pushed for i i had to fight to even get that assessment yeah like i had to proper fight for that had my assessment and obviously i was a month away from turning 18 so it was like a bit tricky anyways mm. and what the person that assessed me basically said to me she was like we'll just take this assessment and mm. then as soon as you turn 18 we'll refer you to adult mm-hmm. and then from that we can work on getting a diagnosis therapy whatever whatever's needed turns out i wasn't referred to adult so i was actually discharged from cams Mm. and just like discharged from everything completely left so i was just kind of there like you can clearly tell i'm struggling like i've made it apparent Mm. like i've told you guys um crisis team they came out about four or five times and then the lady that was there on the last visit basically said to me from what we can tell, what you're experiencing and what you're feeling isn't any different to any other 18-year-old. Something about just hanging in there and getting through it. She says some really cringy little quote, quotes. Yeah, like, they always do. The sun comes The crisis out. team are known for it. They're like, take a bath, <laughs> you'll be fine, yeah. But it was, it was really weird because one of the crisis people that came out to see me, 
he was like, next time we come out, I'll bring medication. I remember us. that, yeah. They were I like, something that. about, something for the anxiety. I don't know. They were going to bring you benzos. Yeah, which was weird. Yeah, I remember them literally, because you messaged me and you were like, they're giving me this. And I was like, you what? Like, yeah, like, what like do I you mean? Like, baffled. this is a bit strong. <laughs> like, I'd been given this, like, injected in hospital. Like, I was like, this is a bit, like, and they were like, they were proper adamant on it. And then yeah. they just... Then nothing more. They never came. No. Uh, it was taking more of a toll on my mental health trying to get help mm. than not getting help. So I now think, it's just yeah, and I think that's what makes it so difficult for people to reach out in the first place. Is you get door slammed in your face time and time again. And I think with cams, it's so, it's such a fine line. Like they say that everything's confidential, but obviously they have to abide by safeguarding laws which is ultimately only if you're actually at risk they have to do something so i told them about like an attempt yeah and they were like do your parents know about this and i was like no and i explained why i i literally was like to them yeah no they're not the most like when they found out i self-harmed yeah. they make fun of it yeah. and they punish me for it yeah like, they take my phone away it almost puts me. you more at risk That's them the knowing thing. yeah and i explained that to them and they just and then literally a month later i was kicked out like I'm not saying that is no, because of that, but like part of it. it contributed to the yeah. breakdown of the relationship. The relationship. With my I feel like I think a lot of young people don't reach out for support because they're scared of people finding out. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that was definitely a concern Ooh, for definitely. me. Was like I didn't want my parents knowing, and I, yeah. you know, and I mean, I had such a weird experience of like I've been in the system since I was eleven nearly 12 but then you got to think that's 10 years ago yeah. and the waiting lists were nowhere near like they are now i mean i got for cams when i first went i was in and assessed and diagnosed in a month it was very much just a you're really depressed we're going to give you really strong antidepressants and then send you on your way and i mean like again we spoke about it last week about how like the antidepressants i was on didn't work and they made me so ill and like I feel like even from that point you're just like what am I doing like what and I think the one thing about cams as well that like people don't realize is that your parents are normally with you yeah in the appointments and, and like, I don't <laughs> see the point no at all you're not like, gonna really I get it for like five-year-olds mm. I mean cams obviously they take you from I think it's five to like 18 so for like five-year-olds I can kind of understand it but for like 16 year olds I mean at the time I remember like I went through a period of I like moved to my mum's and my dad's a lot and I used to be like there's stuff I don't want to talk about with my dad here like there's like stuff that I'm like not happy doing and that like, even with my mum I was like there's stuff that I definitely don't want to talk about like with my mum here and that's no like disrespect to them it's just I think you naturally don't yeah. like I think there's a lot of things I think it's really hard to like be like yeah I'm really struggling in front of your parents let alone when they're not like you say like the most accepting kind of understanding and again i think a lot of that generation is kind of like that though i think it puts a lot of pressure on like families in general because it's kind of yeah knock-on effect mm. so if child has poor mental health and then that'll make the parents stress out because they mm. don't know what to do they don't know who to reach out to for help and yeah. the child is also like well i look up to you to help me but yeah. there's nothing that they can yeah. do yeah i mean i'm sure they like won't mind me saying it but i know my parents were like they found it really hard because it's that thing of like well what have we done wrong yeah you know you, you're at school <laughs> and you're doing quite well what and that's nothing against them that's mm. just i think as a parent how you work yeah. and i think Parents go one of two ways, they're very in denial, and it's very like, 
no, you're fine. You don't want to talk about it. Or it's, you do get families that are very supportive. Yeah, my parents have been really, really great for everything. They've always stuck by my side and my parents helped me with my campaign. And yeah, yeah they've been kind of my wingmen. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, as you're saying, when I was going through, I was going through, they mm. just didn't know what to do. That They were there, obviously, mm. as support, but... They, there's only so much that they can do there's only so much people can do I mean mm. I like I think as a parent I mean like you say like the whole thing about like we're not qualified like yeah. we are just people yeah. and I mean like I always say the same to people that like come to me I'm like I'm not a professional yeah. I just know what I've been through I can give you advice yeah like I can advise with you but I can't do anything really and I feel like yeah, sometimes people do just need a bit of, like, advice. But, they're, like, nine times out of ten, if it's complicated, people need, like, intervention <laughs> and, like, support. And I feel like, as a parent, I think it's very difficult to obviously separate yourself from oh, yeah. what's going on. And I think parents find it very hard to, like, acknowledge if maybe they've had a part in it or, like, any of that. It becomes a whole different conversation. And I mm. think, you know, obviously, looking at statistics, like, people are dying every day multiple times a day and I think a lot of it comes down to like lack of intervention because people don't know the signs no my mum's um she's a primary school teacher and um she's had to deal with a lot of quite challenging kids and um she has had no training whatsoever Mm -hmm. luckily she's quite a good sort of she can see yeah. when something's not quite right and she will pitch it to the head teacher and they're like, no, nothing's, mm-hmm. nothing's the matter. And then yeah. the kid attempted on a school trip and she was like, why hasn't anything d- been yeah, done that's sooner? That's like primary school age. Yeah. Like, that's young. Year six. That's young. And I feel like it's only getting younger. Oh, it is. Like, I feel like, I mean, I think, obviously it varies from person to person. I know that... I kind of started displaying symptoms from a very young age but that's because obviously it went on to become more complex whereas you know in year six I don't think I was thinking about like suicide it's definitely getting worse life was so much simpler but I also think I hate to be one of those people but I definitely think social media has played a big part Kids don't know about these things unless they're on the internet. That's the thing. Right. I mean, like I didn't know what that stuff was no, at that age because I didn't. it wasn't I mean, around. God, like, I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, <laughs> just surrounding my Barbies. Yeah, like, she didn't care. But like, even like I see now, like the kids, like primary school children, olds. and I'm like, what is going on? Like I remember, like there was a situation like that happened a few like few weeks ago now that like isn't something that like I've ever really spoken about because obviously it was like business and stuff so I have to be like careful with like confidentiality but there was a situation that arose between there was a very young child needing a lot of support as a business we can't do that we can refer and we can signpost but ultimately a concern comes up about a child the first thing you're meant to do is ring social services even if it's not the parents fault you know and that again puts a lot of parents off getting support for their kids so they want their kids to be taken and that's such a fear in so many people because ultimately like social services i think you hear social services and you think like oh, yeah, kids in care such, yeah. it's such like i don't know the word it's stigma around social services because mm-hmm. like, their main goal isn't to take children away it's no, to protect keep them in their families ultimately as long as it's safe to do so 
Yeah, and I think taking them away is like their last, last resort. Oh no, like the amount of times my social worker made me yeah. go back home yeah. and told me to go back home and just stick it out and try it out. Oh yeah, they like don't so like doing it at yeah, all. Like, like that's like she was very reluctant yeah. to even get me into the Y Centre. Yeah, yeah, no, I because know. she wants. She was like, you, you need to be at home. Like that's where your parents are. That's where your siblings are. Okay, but it's not the best place for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, as a teenager, I think that gets worse. I think when you're like a young child, they're a lot more hot on like safeguarding concerns, welfare checks, like all of that. I feel like the older you get, the more they're just like, take care. You're, you're technically an adult off. now. Yeah. Off your trot. See you later. Like, <laughs> their thing was, I was so close to eighteen. That was my problem. They wouldn't even. I, w- I wasn't even assigned a social worker because I was, and that was. I mean, again, I guess in a way that's kind of a way it's got slightly better. Is I was like three months off eighteen, and they wouldn't even assign me a social worker then. Whereas now I feel like they do assign you someone a lot earlier, but that they, they still don't really do much. Let's talk about shout. Talk to me. Shout. Where do I even begin? I've used this service maybe about four times. Not recently during lockdown. Um, I was having a very, very bad night last year and I messaged, I said help um, at about 11 o'clock in the evening um, and I did not get a response until about 6am the next morning and obviously I wasn't in a great spot but if I would have been much worse that probably would have ended well and I didn't know who to talk to because all of my friends were asleep didn't want to bother my parents with anything so I thought okay let me try this out and yeah I didn't get a response for five hours and in that time I'd managed to calm myself down because I had my cat with me um (laughs) and they messaged me back at six saying oh hello sorry for the wait how can we help and I said well you're a bit late now um yeah and I just it kind of it made me really angry because obviously it's not their fault because they are so backed up mm. but there wasn't even like a follow-up text saying yeah. if you need immediate help call Smurfs yeah. and call 999 yeah, yeah. like it was literally waiting for an this agent please wait I feel like I mean I know like when Shout first like kind of came out it wasn't a thing that people were really using I mean it's been a thing for quite a while but I think recently it's become a lot more common and I know there's posters up in schools and all sorts now which is good but they're not immediate help yeah. they're they're good if you just need a chat if yeah. you need to vent if you just need to but I mean I've always found like the problem is I think you kind of you reach out at a point where you're kind of like okay I know I need to reach out I'm gonna reach out and then by the, t- I mean, like you say, it goes one or two ways. Either it gets ten times worse, or you calm yourself down, and then there was no point going to them in the first place. And that's not me telling people not to. That's just me saying I think there's not a lot of, as you say, if you need immediate support, do this, do that. Ring Samaritan nine nine nine. They're twenty four seven. They'll they'll be there, kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, shout is like I think because it's so much more. When it first became a thing, it was it worked very well because not many people knew about it, so not many people were using it. And obviously, it's good for people that like struggle with phone calls and all of that kind of stuff. And then I think as time went on, I mean, it's the same with anything, isn't it? Like things get more and more busy, and they still don't have the staff to deal with how busy it gets. So they just kind of, I think they're probably still working the same staff numbers they were like three years ago, Definitely. just with like three times the amount of people coming to them every minute. But 
the mental health charities aren't getting the funding from the government that they then need to do what they're doing. I mean, there's a lot now of, like, non-profit organisations that kind of work on a basis. I mean, I know of quite a few that kind of... Money they earn goes back into the business. It's, I mean, it's essentially what we do. But we donate ours. It doesn't kind of go back in. We just donate it. Mm. But my concern is suicide prevention. I don't feel like they do that. Yeah. I feel like that's where Samaritans come in. And that's why, like, I mean, I will, like, sit for hours and talk about how much I love Samaritans. And, like, we, we big up Nora. Because, like, Nora's my fundraising <laughs> campaigner. And she's absolutely brilliant. Shout out. And I love her. And she emails me, like, every week. She's They're very... One thing I noticed with Samaritans, they are very good at kind of being in touch with their volunteers, being in touch with the people that support them, and they want everyone to be involved, and they run campaigns themselves, I know, quite frequently. Yeah. They also now offer training. That's like a new thing. They now do first aid training for mental health, and they do suicide prevention. Yeah, that's a thing in schools. They have to have one person who's been trained now. That's good. I mean, they've got branches everywhere now yeah. they are on a bo- lot of a bigger scale than shout are oh, yeah. and they're equipped to deal with it because they've got yeah. a branch they've got quite clever sort of not advertising but like they've got their posters which are simple but they've got a really strong message mm. on them um a bit like yours i feel like with samaritans they are very good at knowing their audience oh, yeah, they 100%. know that a lot of the people i mean ultimately samaritans is for everyone mm. they every age every gender sexuality nationality anything but they're they deal with a lot of young people like i think their main audience is like 16 to 25 kind of mm. similar to ours and i feel like i mean that was one of the reasons i think i chose to work with them it didn't make sense for me to work with a charity that was catered towards anyone that i wasn't one particular yeah and I think 16 to 25, I mean, we had a conversation, didn't we, about, like, school ages and stuff. I mean, it's quite a broad. I mean, you think about when you're 16 compared to when you're 25. That's quite a (laughs) big group of people. Yeah, I think the charities that kind of advertise... I mean, Samaritans you see a lot on bridges Mm. and train stations. Like, they have posters everywhere. That is what more people need Mm. to do because that is your target audience. Yeah. Essentially, as, as... you know it's hard to talk about and it's not a conversation people like want to have which is why we're having it essentially because yeah. no one else is i feel like we as young people you know everyone knows someone who has dealt with either force of suicide or suicide attempts or has sadly succeeded because that happens and it's yeah. you know unfortunately it's not uncommon okay. if you're looking for an audience where that's what people are feeling then where you're going to put your advertisement in the places they're going to be and I feel like that is where they've really succeeded yeah I don't really have much experience with Samaritans because luckily I've never fully got to that sort of stage where I need immediate help but from what I've heard from people who have used them they're really good and they they listen and they actually give useful advice yeah. and things i remember once i literally called i was on the phone to them for like three hours this woman was just like talking to me for like three hours and she literally like that day saved my life yeah. like just from that alone because like she was literally just like chatting it was like i was on the phone to like my auntie she literally was just like talking and talking and it was like makes you it brings you back down to earth it makes you feel like a human being because i think when you feel like that you don't feel like you're really connected to anyone or anything i feel like the Samaritans just do mm. so much. Sometimes all you need is a good chat. Mm. That makes you feel more normal and makes you feel like yeah. your feelings are more valid mm-hmm. than 
if you're in a sort of state yeah. and like no one else feels like this like speaking to yeah. someone who's sort of spoken mm. to all sorts of people would like it it makes you feel yeah and i know that like room. we like as a business as such advocates of that like sometimes people just need to talk it's not always about like people don't always want solutions mm. i know there's times where i don't want to i don't want mm. someone to tell me what to do yeah. i just want to feel it for a bit and like we spoke last week about how important it is to like feel your emotions mm. feel yeah. your shit like you know and i feel like there's not enough of that happening and i know like as you said about especially with like the bereavement and stuff it was good that there were support groups but not everyone can work in a group that is where especially with like grief and bereavement i think there's a massive gap in like one to one and i think as well talking to people that have been through it oh yeah it's like one of the most helpful things and i think there's a massive gap in that you know, i have a therapist who i work with every week have done for like nearly two years now she's absolutely brilliant and i can tell she cares and it's experience and she wants to help i feel like everyone needs a therapist at some point even if you're like 30 and don't know what you want to do about your marriage like, like it is normal to be scared i think everyone is that first step is like it's very scary the absolute worst mm. it's like the scariest thing and then i feel like every time you do it it's still as scary it's kind of like they try and use a one shoe fits all thing and that isn't how mental health works no. everyone it's is very different much the complete even if you have like the same you diagnosis the same condition and your brain is still different it shows up differently in people i mean we were like looking at statistics the other day and like i think it was like 72 percent of parents feel like their children have got worse while on waiting lists which yeah. makes sense because they're so, i think now the waiting is like 18 months for cancer at the moment so i'm like kind of convinced if like 12 year old me got the help mm -hmm. that i needed there and then mm. i'd be like somewhat oh more, yeah no 100 percent. like i wouldn't be it wouldn't be as bad as it is now what do you think kids need they need to know it's valid to feel what they're feeling mm -hmm. because i don't know about everyone but like in my case especially when i was like younger mm. i would like i'm not very good at explaining my feelings anyway i never have been um, I would try and explain whatever I'm feeling to my parents and it would just be you're so young you've got nothing to mm -hmm. feel this way about or they're just like okay it's just this you'll feel fine after this mm -hmm. and like I never was allowed to like feel that they were okay mm -hmm. if that makes sense like they were always invalidated and yeah yeah one thing that I've definitely noticed is that mental health it just isn't talked about enough and mm -hmm. I think if it's if it's something that is openly spoken about when mm. you're younger it's easier to understand because you've kind of grown up with it and i think being able to sort of understand how you're feeling it kind mm. of all kind of connects with it mm. but definitely it should be not even taught in schools it just should it should just be made known that it's okay to yeah. feel this way you know like how they have like sex ed mm. in like oh, pd yeah. like there should be just something it like should at least be incorporated mm. it's become a very well-known concept now that it's not just depression it's not just anxiety yeah, there is so much yeah. and it's you know you can have both or you can have neither and still not be okay like i think people hear suicide and they're like depressed yeah whereas like i know i don't know how many people are listening on this that might experience it but along with my bpd i also get manic episodes which is like the worst they coexist i mean everyone with bpd to an extent gets mania but it's, it's called like euphoria i think is like the technical term 
full-blown mania is like kind of one step further and most of my suicide attempts have been then yeah. i haven't always been depressed and it's rare that i have been yeah. and i always say to people like if i'm depressed just like yeah give me the support but I, you kind of have to feel it no i've kind of come to realize i well not anymore because i'm like six weeks clean can we just yeah yeah Go me. but um like the beginning of this year from about like january to like april i'd be really like sad i'd be really depressed and then boom out of it and i'd be feeling the best i've ever felt you know I would like deep clean my flat that, like, euphoria, after it? like just letting it become a pit. It's but the self harm, like it was just kind of it was drawing both, but it would definitely be worse mm-hmm. when I was feeling the wow, life is amazing, everything is so cool, I need to do everything. Yeah. My mind's going like a hundred miles. It's an because hour. you feel so like out of control and you feel like you need to kind of bring yourself back yeah. to your body and I think a lot of people do that by like self harm. Yeah, that's always you know being and this is the other thing, I mean self-harm is such a broad it's not just i mean when i was like i remember thinking self-harm was just people slitting their wrists all the time and it's not it's it's like different times some people drink too much some people do drugs some people don't eat some people eat too much some people do cut themselves it's so important that people do like what you did with your campaign and i think i kind of speak for anyone that kind of i mean it reached a lot people yeah it went, it, went it went crazy like i remember i mean i didn't even know you i didn't even, i didn't know either of you at that point it definitely felt like it brought the community a little bit closer mm-hmm. like everyone was kind of going through the same worrying oh this mm-hmm. could be my child this could be my family and then um yeah people just started talking about it and it became a much more spoken about thing people suddenly wanted to talk and i think that was a moment that a lot of people have been waiting for mm. Yeah, it definitely did something for the community and for everyone and you know I just hope that as you say like the MP keeps his promises it's just a message for everyone that I kind of wanted to get across by having you on is kind of like this is happening this is real and it hasn't it's not going anywhere it is now we, it is now now is a very there's no, no better time than now exactly. no better time than the present now be the change you want to see in the world yeah exactly be the person you wanted when you were younger that's like my favorite thing i literally swear by that i love that and i feel like the people that have a voice are trying like we are like we're having a go as people and as like a business and as like a community like there are people trying to fight your corner but we can't fight your corner until we know where the issues are so like if you've got anything that you want to say drop us an email i would i'll write it here if you're on spotify it's support at mind-movement.co.uk smashed it (laughs) so if you've got anything you want to tell us no matter how old you are away from let us know because i'm really eager to start a bit more of a conversation around this i'm feeling very inspired at the moment i think to kind of do something and buy merch and buy my merch our make peace with yourself Alright, well, respect yourself. Self-love ain't selfish. And it's not. Love yourself. So, thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining. For joining us. If you want to find more, you can follow us on Instagram, at MyMovementBrand. The TikTok is at MyMovementLTD
If you want to find Alex, Alex, what is your... Alex Wilkie04 is my Instagram and my TikTok. But yeah, obviously mine and Alicia's socials will be linked as they always are. And we are sending you all lots of love and support your way. Look and after you yourself. Love yourself, look after yourselves. And we will see you next week. You are loved, you are Bye. worthy and you are capable.